Hi there, and welcome to episode two of the ADHD.UK podcast. Um, as always, and sadly, I'm joined by Dr. Alex Connor. Word. I actually, um, probably 30 seconds into episode one, um, started to regret doing this podcast with you, Al, and you're just <laughs> increasing that level of regret on a minute-by-minute basis, but as usual, it's good to have you as part of the Thanks, team. So Alex and, I, Alex and I co-founded ADHD.UK, um, and really the, the purpose of this this podcast um, is in uh, is, is a tragedy in three parts. So we pick a theme. Last week, we talked about diagnosis of ADHD. This week, we're talking about medication as a treatment for adults with ADHD. And that the three parts effectively are evidence-based psychoeducation. So that's giving you information about how the drugs work, how effective they are, informing you about these medicines. The that's second, the boring bit, right, James? Uh, well, if it's drugs, it's not boring to me, Al, but, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, the second, which I think is more boring because Alex will talk about his personal reflections, are exactly yeah. that, our personal reflections on our experiences with um, taking drugs for ADHD, by that I mean legal ones that are prescribed, and then we'll finish off with some some top tips, hopefully something that will help you either manage your drugs or or change your approach to medicating your ADHD. So, Alex, do you want to start by telling us the basics of adult ADHD treatment? I will. Thanks, James. So we're going to talk about treated ADHD, and that's a phrase we very specifically use on purpose. So we run ADHD Adult UK, which is psychoeducation, coaching and peer support and those kinds of things. We also um, we are the editors of, of the Focus on Adult ADHD mag that you can access it on the Internet. And we arbitrarily split adult ADHD, James and I, when we're talking about it, to make our lives easier into untreated ADHD, the wildness that when you first get uh, diagnosed and then treated ADHD treated by a medical professional but then later on managed ADHD which is treated ADHD with with emotional acceptance that you have it and that it's chronic it will be with you forever and that you are not to blame for your behaviors but you can take responsibility for your choices that's the that's the idea and that middle bit that treated ADHD when you've got through the endless uh, waiting lists you've got treatment for ADHD and it doesn't just mean medication by drugs that's why we use the word treated there are treatments that are that are medical treatments that aren't taking drugs these are things like um, cognitive behavior therapy other types of psychotherapy are available from a psychiatrist um, but also not just a psychiatrist from from registered clinical therapists uh, there are also and and psychoeducation, self learning, but also through through peer support, occupational therapists, and loads of other support groups, including your employer or educator, can give and help you support that 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 learning. Additionally to that, which isn't really treatment, is coaching and um, and going and getting help from friends and the peer support that we do isn't treatment, but it supports that treatment. However, today, what we're going to focus on is the treatment that is medication, drugs, if you like. And because James is our clinical expert, I'm going to hand over to James to talk about ADHD drugs. James. Thanks, Alex. So the first thing I'm going to say is this is clearly a very emotive issue. And Alex and I, when we talk about our personal reflections, we'll talk about the way in which we approached 
um, taking or accessing the drugs that are used to treat ADHD. It's important because many people are drug hesitant. They feel for a variety of different reasons that the medication will change them, will turn them into some kind of boring automaton, which is obviously what it's, it's done to Alex. But you can see in, in my case, I still have a remnant of a personality left. Um, and that's why it's really important that we provide the most evidence-based information we can so you can make an informed choice. You don't have to take the stimulants medication, which we'll go on to talk about in a bit. There are other options. And you don't have to take uh, medication drugs to treat ADHD if you can manage it with other means but and this is the important thing that alongside and Alex will talk about this more later that emotional acceptance of your ADHD the medication is the most effective tool in terms of the evidence that we've got for managing your ADHD that we kind of have um, in our in our handbook so this is why it's important so what what are the drugs Alex sorry your hand is up I, I just want to add that when we use the word evidence we mean peer-reviewed evidence from the literature which and, and that isn't the same as facts it's arguable everybody can challenge it some of it's wrong some of it's right but it, we we that's how we describe it we know that lived experience is important but when we talk about evidence base we're looking at at evidence that is kind of statistical or 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 it's been peer-reviewed yeah. There's a, there's a really good analogy for the difference between, uh, say, really good. If, you, if you're not a scientist, actually, you're going to be really fucking bored at this part. I'm but bored already. Analogy, well, yeah, thank you, Al. There's an analogy for the difference between anecdote and evidence. If you think of an individual uh, event as a brick, then a house is built to a design. You design the way in which that house is built so all the bricks form a shape. And that's what evidence is, because evidence is when something has been tested in a rigorous fashion that is controlled and structured and planned. Whereas a big pile of bricks, i.e. a lot of stories about something, is just a big pile of bricks. It's not a house. So there's individual things that happen to people. There's a difference between anecdote, which is people saying, well, this happened to me, and evidence, which is where those individual bits of things that have happened have been tested in a structured and rigorous way. So that's normally in what we call a randomized clinical trial or, or other scientific trial where you compare, in this case, drug treatments to a placebo and see whether or not you see an improvement compared to the placebo group. So evidence for us is a structured way of testing something to get a, a better idea if it works or not. And if you're the, still uh, the, listening and not bored, <laughs> Alex, yes. I really like the expression, the plural of anecdote is not evidence. Yeah, exactly. It's very true. Oh Christ! It's already boring. This podcast we've got it. We've got to up our game, Al. Right, <laughs> drugs. My my favourite subject, obviously. So, if we look at the the medicines you can take for ADHD as an adult, there's four of them, which are what we call licensed drugs. In other words, there are other ones you can be prescribed, but there's not much of an evidence base for them. Those four licensed drugs fit into two categories. Don't want to overcomplicate this, but basically, you can be prescribed a stimulant. And stimulant medications are, as the name suggests, a drug which causes the body's parts to speed up. They stimulate your body. And the other type of medicine is a non-stimulant in terms of ADHD. So we're going to have a really quick chat about stimulant medication because this is probably the form of ADHD treatment that most people are hesitant about. Um, the drug you've probably all heard of is Ritalin. Ritalin is a, a trade name for a chemical called methylphenidate, and there are lots of different trade names depending on which company makes it and how slowly it's released in the blood. 
but methylphenidate is the most prescribed drug for ADHD. And Alex, who understand, I, I, I struggle giving him compliments because his ego is so dangerously close to going nuclear. Thank you. I have to dress them up in, in some kind of in, insult, like a complicult. But Alex, probably the only thing he's got going for him is he does understand neurophysiology better than me and molecular biology. So Alex, do you want to explain kind of what methylphenidate does and why it might work for some people? I'll go on then. And and instantly, that's that's what I'm on as well, methylphenidate. Not Ritaly, in a different uh, company called Concerta or Excel or something. It's a slow-release one. But they're exactly the same drug. And what they do is we all know about dopamine, and we use dopamine as a shorthand for the thing that's wrong with with ADHD adults, don't we? The, the, but it's, it's not just dopamine, is it? There's other neurotransmitters in the brain that help with reward and executive function and those things. Dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline, and those kinds of things. And what methylphenidate does is it deals with the perceived lack of dopamine and noradrenaline in your brain. It, is, it, isn't, it doesn't act like them. What it does is it gets into your brain and stops them disappearing too quickly. Between your nerves of your brain, there's the big gap, there's the classic synapse, and that's where you, the drug acts. And it's a bit like if you fill your bath up with <laughs> dopamine and noradrenaline and pull the plug out, it disappears. And our drug acts like a, um, a, a plug in the bath. So it stops the noradrenaline and the dopamine leaving your brain. So it hangs around to do its job a bit longer, because generally speaking, we lack those neurotransmitters. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Al. For once you made sense and didn't annoy me. So that's the first and most commonly prescribed stimulant. Um, the next two, the other two stimulants are very closely related and um, they're basically speed. So there is um, dextamphetamine, um, which is often uh, used under names like Adderall, for example. Um, and there's a very closely related slow release version of amphetamine called Lizdexamphetamine. And these uh, drugs, which as the name amphetamine suggests, are um, easy to abuse um, and are stimulants, kind of work in a similar way in the brain, um, but just slightly different. And again, Al, without wishing to pay you too much tribute in your knowledge of the brain, can you explain how the uh, amphetamine-based stimulants work? Yes. And I'll make sure speed is of the essence, James, for this. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so these are essentially, they do the same job as methylphenidate with extra bits. And that extra bit is they stop serotonin leaving your brain as well. Serotonin being the chocolate, cocaine, happiness, and not just happiness thing that we use to trigger those responses. So if you think of the, the Ritalini ones as, as dopamine and noradrenaline, then the speed ones, like Lizdex, like Adderall, these are all of those plus serotonin. So it can have, as you well know, James, different and, and added effects. But not dissimilar to chocolate cocaine, which you've just invented, I think, mm. as, a, as, a, as a potential um, way of self-medicating. Okay, cheers for that, Al. So you've effectively there got three drugs which do a similar thing by stimulating um, the body. They actually alter the way in which the, the, the chemicals in the brain that are often deficient in terms of their action in ADHD work. And this leads to, in most people, um, a reduction in the core traits of ADHD. So the things um, that you can hear, like a dog barking in the background, the things, Apologies. Um, <laughs> the things that we, we often do in terms of our inattentiveness, impulsiveness, for example, we generally tend to see improvements in at least some of those 
areas with treatment, as well as seeing changes in, in mood and motivation. So they are really effective for most people. Um, there is hesitancy, like I say, about these stimulant drugs, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we move on to our personal reflections. But just to finish this little section off, we're going to talk about the other licensed drug, which isn't a stimulant. It's a drug called atomoxetin, and its name on the packet often is Stratera. That's what the company that makes it calls it. And this is much more like an antidepressant. So this is a drug that doesn't act as a stimulant in the body. But similarly to the other drugs we've talked about, it changes the levels of these chemicals in the brain. And therefore, that can have, in some people, um, an impact on their ADHD traits. It's not often the first drug of choice. So often, this is given to people who really just don't respond well to the, the stimulants, either because um, the side effects are, are, are profound or they've got a pre-existing issue with their heart, which means they can't take a stimulant because it can increase heart rate and blood pressure, or it can be used as an add-on. So it can be that if you're not getting enough bang for your buck from a stimulant, your psychiatrist might say, well, let's try atomoxetin as well and, and see if that's more effective. And that really is a whistle-stop tour of the medicines used to treat ADHD. Before we move on, I think it's really important that we state that all medicines potentially have side effects. And therefore, whether it's paracetamol, insulin, or treatment for ADHD, you have to be aware that there are, there's the potential that there will be some unpleasant side effects. It's the, it's the famous thing, isn't it? No medicine is safe, which feels like scaremongering because it's not what a politician would say. But but of course of course that's true. No activity really is safe. So that's where we go. So it's everything's a balance. It is. So the kind of side effects you generally get with the stimulants are um, lack of appetite, problems with sleep, dry mouth. Um, maybe a little bit of what we call tachycardia, so your heart rate might increase. Um, and there are fewer of those side effects with atomoxetin, the non-stimulant. So therefore, it's more likely to be issues with sleep and, and kind of um, your kind of normal daily function that you might get the, the brain fog at first while it settles in. But the key thing is that you should, once you're diagnosed, if you're offered medication and accepted, go through a process of titration of medication. Um, and this is effectively where you change the dose of your tablets whilst recording those side effects and the impact has on your ADHD to find the right dose of the right drug. So um, in the next section, we're going to talk about our personal reflections and how we were titrated. Okay, welcome to part two of our ADHD Adult UK episode two. We're talking about treatments and medication of adult ADHD. James has really, really tediously and boringly summarised the, <laughs> the molecular pharmacology and effects of the of the drugs that people take. What we'd like to do, though, is, is because James and I both have adult ADHD and we're both treated and at the moment and the and drug hesitancy has been has been a, a part of my life at the moment both of us are 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 medicated on ADHD although as James puts it I'm taking a toddler's dose of methylphenidate <laughs> because he's even managed to add toxic masculinity to mental health disorders well done but but it is true you are on a toddler's dose of, of methylphenidate, <laughs> yeah, aren't you? I am. it works so <laughs> So I think what we're going to do is I'm going to ask James what his personal journey was with 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 treatment and how it started, when it started and how it makes him feel. Um, James, do you want to kick off? Yeah. So 
I'm never one to say no to drugs, but actually when it comes to ADHD, the reason I didn't seek a diagnosis for a very long time was because I genuinely thought, as many people do, that if I take Ritalin, it's going to change me. And this is weird because I fucking hate myself. I've got deeply entrenched self-loathing, which my psychiatrist said needs psychodynamic psychotherapy, but still didn't want to change myself. So I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get a diagnosis because if that's the only way it's treated, I don't want to be this kind of boring, dull Alex-like automaton. <laughs> and then when... Um, during lockdown, my life literally, well, not literally, Alex normally picks me up on that, metaphorically fell to pieces. And I realized that my ADHD was now something that really needed to be managed. I could not take the drugs quick enough. I would have taken any medicine at any dose um, given by anybody um, in order to try and have my ADHD. And in my case, um, as we discussed in episode one, I was diagnosed privately, but there was still a four month wait for my titration because there's this shortage of uh, prescription prescribing nurses. And in that four months, it was really challenging because I was absolutely gagging for some speed, to be honest. I knew what drug they were going to give me. I researched about it, knew what the side effects were going to be, knew what the process was going to be, but just waited. And then when it started, um, as Alex had told me, but I hadn't listened because it's Alex. Um, when it started, the effects were, were so subtle that even by the time I'd finished titration, so I got a dose and I'm on the top dose, Alex, of this dexamphetamine because I'm obviously more manly than you. That's a complete lie, everybody. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to me. It, it's very it's very individual. Um, but I, when I got to the, the, the final dose of dexamphetamine and I sent my symptoms back to my psychiatrist, I actually whinged saying, it's, nothing's changed. I'm exactly the same. I'm still rubbish. And he just replied back saying, every single measure you've reported has moved to the left, i.e. is less prominent so it has been a success and it's really subtle and that's one of the things i want to get across to those that are drug hesitant to those that maybe feel i don't want to, to change myself in in almost well in very few cases do you see really significant changes in the things that make you you it just gives you a crutch or a framework on which you can build a managed life with adhd Alex, Thanks, you you went through a slightly different process and obviously are on a different drug. So do you want to talk about that? I do, but I just got to pick up on what you said. It, and this is a nice thing, but that is such a human thing, isn't it? To to not want to change something that you don't like about yourself. Yeah. I, I can't think that dogs and cats think like that. Uh, I really like that. It was it was interesting, and I think I think I, I get that and felt that too. I was also hesitant because because of the risk of high blood pressure. Um, and also because I didn't want to be zombified like you, you you read about in newspapers. And so I was prescribed, this was six years ago, I was prescribed methylphenidate, toddler's dose, uh, and I used it for a year uh, and then I was cured, obviously. Cured, didn't have ADHD anymore, didn't need any drugs anymore. So stopped taking them for about three years. Where, and I started to fall apart again. Obviously I did. And then I realized I needed to, it was partly because my ADHD meant I wasn't very good at getting the prescriptions filled out. So I would miss it. And then I felt embarrassed and humiliated and I didn't want to go and see it. I thought they'd tell me off. So I plucked up the courage to try and to try and get re-prescribed. And then I did. And, and since then, I've taken the most days. I have the odd break if I feel a little bit anxious. Sometimes I, I feel, this isn't evidence-based, I feel like if I take them every day for two weeks, I feel my anxiety is higher, but it might be a coincidence. It might be just the plural of anecdote. I think, However, I think just, 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 just to speak to that, this is something that you'll see will vary from 
adult ADHD to adult ADHD person is whether you take it every day or whether you take a break at weekends or stop. And this is something that you have some control over. You're not ordered to take these tablets every day if you don't want to take them at the weekend because it does interfere with your sleep, for example. Um, you can. And most people are also given a little bit of flexibility with their dose. So either a long and a short acting form of the drugs if you need to top up during the day. Um, my dose, for example, split. So I take one first thing in the morning and one at lunchtime. So that, that's a really important thing, actually, the idea of, of taking it at weekends and, and not taking it and whether it causes you anxiety. These are all issues that complicate whether people accept the idea of taking medications. Thanks, James. And that's it, really. That is our personal reflections. My last thought, I guess, which moves into our top tips, which is our third bit of this awfulness. My my last thought is that nothing's forever with ADHD. Emotional accepting ADHD is the fact that we're not very good at keeping routines. We're not very good at something, a, a self-help book or a new process or a special program on our phone often doesn't last forever. And that might mm. be true of your treatment regime as well. And you know, that's absolutely fine. And it's fine for me too. So James, moving on to the last bit, which is top tips. My main top tip to anybody with starting their medication journey, I've used the word journey, James, is talk to talk to adults who tr it's very much my personal journey you're such a wanker <laughs> yeah is 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 talk to adults who've who've tried it we were co-hosting relatively recently the um beans on boogaloo radio show on boogaloo radio and and mickey beans who who presents that show was telling us that her medication isn't working for her right now and you know that's okay talk to us talk to us at adhd adult uk anybody you know there's loads of available things on the internet it might be worth like looking for a culturally relevant uh twitter feeds or instagram feeds or whatever if if because sometimes the american system the european system it feels very different but talk to anybody who knows on it and say you know how did, how was it for you what, what's the feelings associated and how are the side effects that would be my top tip james I what have you got I'm, i've got something i think is fucking amazing but just to add to your top tip that it's really important to also not beat yourself up if the first medicine you try doesn't work and that often happens that you'll you'll be because methylphenidate is as cheap as chips three pound a month um if you're tried on that medication and you know four weeks in you just feel like it's had no impact don't feel afraid when you're going through titration to say, this isn't working for me. Can I try something else? Equally, as Alex said, could be five or 10 years into your journey. God, that made me want to vomit uh, of ADHD. <laughs> um, and it could be that if you find you're getting less of an impact from your medication, again, go back to your clinical team and ask if you can try something else. There is, it's not great, this evidence, but there is some evidence that in adults, the amphetamine-based drugs are more effective than methylphenidate. Some evidence. It's not so great that that means they've changed policy and everyone gets prescribed them first of all, but that's partly due to cost because Lizdex amphetamine is about £120 a month and methylphenidate is about £3 a month. So there is a cost. So that's just to, to add to your top tip. My top tip's something physical. So if you're listening to this, it's going to be really pointless. If you're watching this on the video cast, you'll get something from it. But that horribly weak little shake is my tablet container. This is something that my wife, Sam, found for herself. And... Um, Sam's really good at finding ADHD coping mechanisms, and I'm really good at totally fucking ignoring them, which which kind of gets on a tits. And you can understand that that if you if you pay money for something and say I've done this thing for you, so there's a there's a planner on the fridge, 
which I've never written on in six months. And that hers is constantly being written on and amended. I've, I, I don't even know it's there. One thing that she bought, which definitely worked, are caps which have a timer on the top. So uh, you can see this if you're if you're watching the video cast. And Sam's actually because I split my dose into 50 milligrams and 70 milligrams. One Sam's written on, I feel the need for big speed. And the other one <laughs> says small speed. So the 50 milligram tablets and, and the 20 milligram tablets are in two separate containers. And the top has a little digital timer, which tells me the last time I opened the container. And I can't tell you how useful this is because it's odd that considering these are controlled drugs, one of the things that we hear reported more often than not is I forgot to take my tablet today or I don't know if I took my tablet this morning, which again tells you how subtle these tablets can be. So although I have a reminder on my, my calendar to say at 11 o'clock, Lizdax amphetamine, I often forget and then it gets to two and I think, hang on, did I did I take it? This tells me when I opened my container so I know when I took my tablet and it's really, really helpful. I'm really disappointed your second lid doesn't, isn't called Speed 2, booze uh, control. That would be yeah. amazing. I, I'm going to have to change what's written on here to say that. I'll, and I equally, I have no insult you because I've given you a compliment. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I'll just obviously just say, just to point, just to repoint out everybody, Alex has a perfectly spherical face. It's not true. It's, it's, it's simply not true. And it's not why I grew up here. The, I, I think this should, this should be a segment. I think we need to do product recommendation of the week. Empfehlen der Woche, as the Germans say, James, recommendation of the week. Where we're gonna, we should re recommend a product or a process that we think is useful for adults with ADHD. Extra points, if we absolutely love it, then tell everyone about it. And then after two weeks, we completely forget it exists yeah, and feel humiliated by that. That is going to happen. That is going to happen. Can I just point out as well that obviously we do all this for free. So no, nobody has paid us to, to promote this, this cap that you can apparently only buy. They don't even do it on Amazon anymore. You can only buy it through their website. It's called Timer Cap, by the way. They don't endorse us. Nobody endorses us. We, we are are you joking? I, I, I'm in. I'm in the pocket of big timer cap. <laughs> big timer. <laughs> Honestly, pe people will accuse you of that. Um, yeah. So just say anything that we <laughs> do. Anything that we do um, suggest as a tip, whether it's a product or an app or um, an activity or a betting company or a, or a betting <laughs> company. It genuinely comes from the fact that they've given us bigger payouts when we've betted with them. Um, it's yes. betted the, the bat. previous participant with them. Yeah. It's I, my so Alex is very kind in that he often doesn't insult me, but my command of grammar is so bad that I have to check with Alex, which is a noun and, and which is a verb sometimes. And he's very good in that he often tells me the often tells me the right answer. But yeah, no, we will never promote stuff that we're getting paid for. This is about us sharing tools and tips that we think actually is useful for you. Excellent. You know, with those caps, are you worried yeah. about when you have to replace the batteries? Because that's something I struggle with massively. I, I am. I'm more worried by the fact that one of them says the last time I opened it was 97 hours ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the Amazing. other one, and the other one says 28 minutes. 28 minutes, and that's and I didn't open it then. So they often work, but obviously they're they're not very expensively made, so they're not perfect. And then again, ADHD is beautifully imperfect, isn't it? So yeah, I'm slightly worried that they're not perfect, but you know. That's it really is. So that is time. That brings us to the end of our ADHD Adult UK episode two of our podcast sponsored by Big Timer Cap. And it's not <laughs> sponsored by anyone. <laughs> and we, um, we hope that it's been in some way useful for you. If you want a topic discussed that we haven't or isn't on the pipeline, then please 
get in touch at any of the ADHD Adult UK social places or by email on our website, and we will just do that at your whim. Thank you, James. Thank you, me. See you all later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.